What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have another podcast host with us, Natalie Rivera. Natalie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about your podcast and where you're from? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm the host, creator, and producer of How I Fuck, which is a sex-positive podcast. It comes out every other Wednesday. I'm also a freelance podcast producer, so I work on a couple other shows when I'm not working on my own show. I am from the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, California, and yeah, that, that that's really me. And how did you get into this like sex-positive podcast industry like was that always the goal is that what you studied in school how did you end up here I you know it was never really a goal for me I never thought oh I want to create content pertaining to sex I went to school for journalism I a couple years after that was hired by uh, pop sugar to be a video producer and after that I went to attention to also be a video producer and for me, it was always about j- journalism. It was always about storytelling. And I just remembered, I I remember back in 2015, 2014, somewhere around there, that I listened to my first episode of a podcast called Radio Lab. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is the kind of storytelling that I want to do. I, you know, I've written articles. I was a freelance writer and then I went to video. But then when I heard the podcast, I was like, this is how I want to tell stories. Because truly journalism changes. It's, it's always changing. There's no more print. Uh, videos were a huge hit for one at one point. And then now I think a lot of journalists are going towards podcasting. And yeah, when I, I was like, I want to do this. And I feel like one of the best ways to make a shift in your career is to kind of create your own project, do it on the side, obviously learn the skills in your free time. And that's what I did. And when I was thinking of a podcast idea, like what would I want to do? I came across an article about a woman with dwarfism, who is a sex coach for people with dwarfism. And she ended up creating a sex toy line for people with dwarfism. And I was like, wow, that is super interesting. I never thought, how do people with dwarfism have sex? I never considered the obstacles they have to go through when trying to find pleasure. And it really just snowballed from there. I was like, well, how do homeless people have sex? How do people with cerebral palsy have sex? How about blind people? And that was really the, the start of it. And I just, I went... I moved forward forward with it. And so far it's been great. That's awesome. I I really think that's an interesting concept because you can virtually go to anyone. And even if people are still like on the same level of like different intersections, like of color, of disability, of sexuality, like every single person's sexual experience is different. And I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of, especially like a lot of education fails to acknowledge like beyond the like heteronormative standard, like how do, how does like the majority of the world have sex? Because it's really not the same for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what's great about my podcast and uh, knock on wood, I hope this stays true is that I won't ever really run out of ideas because there is just so <laughs> there. I mean, we, there's so many people on this planet and there's just so many communities, identities, conditions, uh, uh, career paths that people take that really does influence their sex life. Uh, You know, a lot of our guests, they 
like I mentioned before, we'll have people with disabilities, people who are, have cerebral palsy, who are blind, but we'll also have sex workers. We uh, recently interviewed a sugar baby, and uh, we, you know, we also have people who have very interesting kind of uh, conditions in terms of uh, gender and sex. Uh, for example, we did an episode about an intersex person and how how they have sex with um, the kind of genitalia that they were born with. That isn't quote unquote traditional. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think our sex ed here, I will, obviously it's been a really long time since I went to sex, since I had to take sex ed in school, but everyone who I've interviewed for the podcast have all said that they just had not so great of sex education. Everyone has expressed to me that the sex education that they received at school was, um, not, not great. It really wasn't. It wasn't inclusive. Uh, they didn't explain a lot of things to them. And then their own parents also didn't want to explain things to them. So, you know, I'll be getting this kind of feedback from people who are cis, who are straight. Uh, and if sex ed is bad for cis straight people, imagine how bad it is for people who aren't cis. Imagine how, uh, how bad it is for people who are disabled. Imagine how bad it is for people who are intersex, which is like 2% of the world's population. But yeah, the podcast really isn't a sex ed podcast. We're not, I'm not a sex expert, but it's more of just a curiosity, a curious kind of podcast. I am a journalist who's always curious. So I just ask questions the way I would imagine a lot of our listeners would. No, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate those conversations too, because I just feel like we're like, I feel like we don't put a lot of emphasis on like how valuable life experiences are and how valuable, you know, maybe some of those hopefully consensual, but uncomfortable encounters will like not only help you get better at having pleasurable sex, but also help other people maybe avoid those mistakes or you know, though, I don't want to call them mistakes, but just like those not great experiences because not every sexual encounter, especially if you're not taught and there's not resources readily available to you, it's going to kind of suck the first couple of times, which shouldn't be the case, but is for most people. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, lessons that we learn and like the stumbles that we take during our sex journey, I think they are super educational for us. I think we learn a lot from the mistakes that we make, which uh, can be a good thing, but it, it can also not be so great of a thing. I think that our, I think that our educational system, I think society, I think our parents, um, I, I really do think that it's important that they are better at talking to children or not necessarily children, but like teenagers about sex. Uh, I definitely think that's important. Um, but, and then to go on, on, on top of that, I think it's also important to maybe just be a little more open about talking about sex as well. I think that you can learn a lot from your friends, especially as an adult, especially as a young adult, you can learn a lot from their experiences as well. But I do feel that there is still some, a little bit of taboo or just some kind of embarrassment around the idea of talking about sex openly with friends. Uh, for me, I think it's just interesting that, well, with, I only have maybe a couple selected, a couple of friends who I feel comfortable enough to be like, oh, wow, I am really, I'm just horny. I really need someone soon, you know? Uh, not all of my friends can I talk to openly about that, but it's just interesting to me that we can't, we don't 
express that in the same casualness as we express other things like I feel unmotivated or I feel stressed out or something like that. Because also, I mean, sex can be a distressor. Sex is, it can be very healthy too. And I, I don't know, I just think it's important that we talk about it. No, absolutely. And what a great segue, because I think that the way our parents kind of acclimatize us to our understanding of sex, even from like a young, young, young age. Um, I talked to a lot of educators about like the importance of teaching comprehensive sex ed as early as like four years old. And a lot of people get confused when we say that because we're not trying to teach four-year-olds how to have sexual intercourse. It's more just like giving them the autonomy over their body so that they can articulate like what their genitalia is. If somebody touches them inappropriately, like how can they communicate this? But you can't do that as a young person if you're not equipped with like the correct terminology. So I really think that that understanding transfers, especially in our later years and especially for like femme and non-binary folk in regards to like seeking out like sexual experiences and especially like casual sexual experiences. I feel like as like I identify as a woman, I feel like I can't as often as I feel horny, I can't articulate that to the same level. Now I'm also in a very liberal bubble. So like, if I really wanted to tell everyone how horny I was, I would. But even in that, I feel like there's like some negative connotations or like her priorities aren't in check or, you know, people still have their like predispositions and like implicit biases when women are so liberated. Um, Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I also think that, I mean, just, I, I love movies, TV shows. I am also very much a pop culture junkie. I covered it a lot in my career. And, you know, something that like a trope that I've noticed is just the kind of the trope of like the businessman who has a lot on, on his mind and he needs to like really stress. So he try, so he hires a sex worker, you know? And I, I think like, I don't know, I think maybe there is that kind of like undertone expectation or like this uh, this weird idea that if you say that you're horny like I don't know you're just gonna go and find someone at a bar or and maybe you will maybe you will do that but I think people automatically think of that as opposed to just being like well if I'm horny like man I'm so horny like I want to have more sex with my partner or I really want to put myself out there or I really need a new vibrator I don't think it has to automatically mean that you're going to go and look for automatic uh, pleasure. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like that's when you were saying that, that just came to mind that maybe some people assume that when you say those kind of things, you're just going to go off and get some random stranger and that could be it. And that's totally fine. But I think there's like so many other different ways that you can pleasure yourself, whether it's like in the committed relationship you're in already or yourself, like going into a sex shop and buying a vibrator. But I still, yeah. I I mean, I always, I always say that it always goes back to like media. It always goes back to what we see in TV and film. And what we see a lot too is just women not even talking about this at all like we always see the men like groups of men talking about how they want to have sex or they're gonna go give it to some new girl who just worked at 
like a new coworker or something like that. Uh, but you don't see women openly talking about it. And I think the first time I ever saw a woman just talk about like how horny she was or like in that sense was in Broad City. I don't even remember what season it was, but Alana's character said that she needed to jerk off. And I thought that was incredible. And I still, (laughs) to this day, I still say sometimes jerk off, which throws people off because they just think like a dude. But, uh, but yeah, that was like, that was a game changer for me. And I feel, I wish that I had seen that earlier. Cause I feel like I saw that when I was like 23 or something, I feel like I, I wish I had that earlier in my life. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I even, I like that example that you just gave of like the businessman who like hires a sex worker, because even though that's completely okay in the way that it's been depicted to us, it's kind of Like the vibe I'm getting from this man is like kind of slimy, kind of gross, probably cheats on his partner. Like it's not put in a productive or just like, like in a bodily function perspective, like in the sense of like sex is a part of like humankind. We are created to have sex. We are created to release whether it's like, um, whatever chemical that hap- like comes when you, you know, achieve an orgasm. But I think even too, like the person that came to my mind was Samantha and sex in the city, who is that like woman boss, like individual. But like, if you hear the way her friends speak to her, when she talks about having like, having a sex toy or having multiple partners or just having casual sex because she doesn't want to get married and she doesn't want to um like be in a long-term relationship for the rest of her life even though some of the characters like I know Carrie is single in Sex in the City she's with Mr. Big which is like another problematic thing but she still shames her for having all this casual sex meanwhile you know, Carrie's in a very toxic relationship with Mr. Big and yeah, she's having sex with one guy, but is he treating her with respect? Absolutely not. So yeah, it's really interesting how like the media depicts it. And there's really only like the option of having sex with a person and never like having sex with yourself or having sex with your partner. Like, I feel like when we're looking at relationships in movies, either everybody is satisfied with their sex life, which is like never the case. Um, Sex lives change and they kind of go up and down depending on like a lot of variables, but then they're either satisfied or they're like dissatisfied. So then they just cheat on their partner. Like there's never that, like I'm in a relationship and I'm horny. At least I've never seen it. Um, And then it's like acted in like a good, kind of like in a good light in the sense of like, let me rectify our like lack of sex driver figure out why my partner isn't matching me. Um, if, if that's making sense too. No, that totally makes sense. And I, I really, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing up Samantha. Cause I kind of, you know, when you were talking, I was like, why did I forget about Samantha? Because I did watch sex in the city. I also read the book too. Uh, and I love Samantha's character, but I think the reason why I kind of um, went towards that a a broad city example is probably because when I think of Samantha, she talks openly about it and she gets like a dirt, like a weird look from Carrie or Charlotte. And then in the broad city example that I gave, I don't think she got a weird look from anyone, you know? And I think that's probably what stood out for me, but 
yeah, it's just, it's crazy because I, I also think that there's, you know, I mean, you have like the kind of uh, unsatisfied men characters like um, Mad Men with Don Draper, who's just like never satisfied. And I think that kind of just, I don't know, it kind of adds on to this idea that like, you're never truly, truly going to be satisfied. And it's like this kind of like extreme of just like, you're either satisfied all the time, or you're never satisfied, as opposed to just like, giving us a character who is satisfied sometimes and sometimes they're not and they're like not not in the mood for sex or sometimes they are in the mood for sex which I think is totally normal uh you know I do believe that there is like a honeymoon phase for sure but I also believe that people go through phases where they're having a lot of sex with a you know maybe a long-term partner or just like someone that they have been sleeping with for a while and then there's moments where they're just like not in the mood for it and I just I wish that there were more I wish that there were more characters like that in tv and film as opposed to just having like as opposed to automatically as opposed to being like okay they're satisfied because it's the beginning of a relationship or something and then they're not satisfied so that they need to break up or something of that sort you know it can't be like repaired uh and I think actually since we were talking about Sex and the City, the first movie kind of did a good job with exploring that in a way with uh, Miranda and Steve's relationship where Miranda was just so busy and stressed and just wasn't having any, you know, didn't want to have sex. And Steve like goes on and cheats and they try to talk it out during therapy. And I'm glad that they included that because a lot of movies a lot just a lot of movies and tv shows will be like they cheat it's like game over uh or they'll be like why did you cheat you know it's because the man feels insecure as opposed to just being like well we really need to talk about our sex life uh there's like there's more there's more to it but yeah i mean hopefully we'll get more characters that talk about this no absolutely i completely agree um yeah I actually didn't realize how good that example was um that you just gave because I feel like a lot of times and I think this is obviously changing especially within like the five the last five years of film but I still think that like sex in the context of like just like regular movies is still like very black or white and it's never represented as like gray um and just like the characters that you're kind of describing, like the unsatisfied man, um, the hypersexualized man, or the man that just, you know, exerts himself through different sex workers. And I, I think it's really hard to see those dynamics too, rep- like those dynamics represented through like femme identifying characters. I think that that's still something that we're like just breaking ground on, like within the last 10 years, maybe. Because if you watch any, like, early 2000s movie, the, like, slut-shaming is, like, through the... I don't even know how we got away with some of the stuff that, like, they depict. I'm trying to think of a good example, but is anything coming to your mind? I mean, the first thing that came to mind, but I don't even think it was early 2000s. I don't think it was early 2000s. Uh, is a easy a but I know that there was like just other I mean like even something else that just came to mind and I think it's because I heard this song recently in the radio on the radio is uh that Paramore song uh Misery Business is that what it's called 
Yeah. And she actually ended up apologizing for it like five years ago or something because she just, I mean, in the song, she calls the, this girl a whore and tells her that she only, you know, she's only kind of like good for one thing. And there's so many other girls just like her. And because I guess they want the same guy. And if you watch the music video, it's so it's so bad it's really bad the music video is just like well it's poorly made but also it's uh god like i think at the end of the music video one of the band members like pops like a balloon under her chest because it's trying to imply that she's like has like fake breasts or something it's just it's very yeah it's very weird and she apologized for that song like about five years ago she like wrote a whole thing about it and was just like man like i can't believe you got away with that but I mean, those are the only two examples I can think of. I mean, I'm sure there are so, so many examples of that. But yeah, I mean, there's so many slut shaming and there's so much. Uh, I mean, I don't know why, but last week, I think it was, I was just like, and I fell in a rabbit hole of just looking through uh, college movies about like how girl, I don't know, like college movies where obviously like the guy is trying to get the girl drunk enough to have sex with them, but also mm-hmm. that the girls are just like so willing to, uh, so willing to please these, like these men, you know, like it just so happens that these guys are in a situation where these girls just like want to please them and all this stuff. And I actually think my boyfriend recently had me watch, oh God, what was that? Euro trip. Oh my God. Yes. He recently <laughs> had me watch Euro trip, which was like, I, I could not. Yeah. I had so many things to say about that, but it was just like, it's just super, super strange. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with a girl wanting to do that, but like, I don't know. It's just like the chances of that, or, you know, these, these guys just end up at a party and all these girls are just like, they want them or they want to go topless or all this stuff, you know, or even just the whole trope of like the nerd, who gets his revenge and like become like tricks these women to like sleep with them there's there's so many problems with that and I mean I don't I hopefully I believe that we're getting a little better I feel like a lot of our character a lot of characters recently have been you know like for instance Lady Bird I feel like that was a pretty good character that kind of explored sex uh but yeah I hope I hope we're I think we're gonna get better it's actually, I was thinking about this and we're going to have a full episode where me and my roommate kind of talk about all the problems with this specific podcast, but it did bring me to the podcast, Call Her Daddy, which is still out, still like the number one podcast, um, like on Apple podcasts or like number two, sometimes either way, they have like millions of viewers. And I, I'm really excited to kind of talk to you more about like how femme people kind of should be more acclimatized and more comfortable with talking about their horniness Um, and like alternatives to just like, because there isn't anything wrong with casual sex, but also to like release yourself. So you don't necessarily need a partner. Um, And I think we'll kind of get to that, but it's really interesting how call her daddy, which is like technically a comedy podcast, but like with the viewership and the influence that they have, people are literally taking their advice and like just being really, really, I don't even know how to like how to call it, but just like inherently selfish and like disrespectful to the people that they're sleeping with. The whole like, 
be cheat or be cheated on type of like aesthetic that they have and just like they really don't talk about like self-pleasure self-actualization or like their journey to sex and like how to have safe sex too I've never heard them talk about safe sex ever um which is like a big big thing like in my, my mind even if you have a comedy podcast and you're talking about having casual sex especially for the young people who probably only get any sexual information from this podcast I think that they should be talking about like literally doing the bare minimum and using condoms or like dental dams but yeah I was kind of curious because that's like a modern day example of like internalized misogyny in the sense of like sexuality and like women women's relationships with most likely cis men it's a pretty straight heteronormative podcast so I was wondering if if you're familiar with it at all or if this is kind of ringing any bells I'm not familiar with it I feel like I've I feel like I saw it somewhere like recommended to me or something like that but I've never heard it so I'm like I'm interested to hear I'm interested yeah now I want to listen to an episode just to hear what you're what you're talking about I mean the title doesn't sound so great they're run by barstool sports so like Dave Portnoy who's like a serial misogynist and like terrible person um is their boss so like yeah I would definitely recommend because it's like I feel so detached from like talking about these things but then I I understand that like a lot of people that are listening like like I run a sexual health organization so I'm around sex positive people all the time our donors our sponsors they're all sex positive companies so I feel kind of detached from these conversations but when I get feedback from folks being like yeah my like super religious family like never exposed me to these topics or I didn't know masturbation was healthy or like beneficial it like really brings me back to the ground. So when I see like really, really large like podcasts or movies or just any like depictions of like sex from such a like patriarchal or just like misogynistic lens. And it's like, even especially if it's, and like, this is the challenging thing, right? Like as a feminist, you never want to be blaming women because a lot of the faults And, like, the mistakes that they're making are a product of internalized misogyny. So, like, am I here to, like, out the girls from Call Her Daddy? Like, no. But I think it's important to recognize that when they're talking about sexuality and sex and sex lives, that they're doing it as, like, inclusively and as, like, kindly as they possibly can, which is, like, not their goal at all. So I would recommend listening to it. But it's it's a podcast that's doing really, really well right now. And it's it's out there in the world and they're doing things all the time. It's like a, a promo for caller daddy, but they're doing things all the time. So they're out there and they're getting their message out there, like more than obviously you and I are. So it's like really interesting to see like what still sells in this like sex positive world that we're sort of kind of living in, but like also not. Cause there's like a whole side of the internet. That's just like, don't have sex. <laughs> Or you'll, like, get pregnant and die. You know, like the mean girls quote. That's it. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's interesting because no matter what happens, no matter how far we think we've come, and obviously we have so many wins uh, in terms of just – in terms of a lot of things, actually, regarding sex, 
race, uh, gender rights, inclusivity, uh, there still will always be, there still will always be, there will always be people with that kind of mindset that we're trying to move away from that will still always exist. Parts of the internet like that will, will always be around. Um, I mean, Rush Limbaugh just, just died and he was one of the biggest people in uh, kind of spreading a lot of political controversies and stirring up a lot of, uh, a lot of terrible stuff. And it's, yeah, it's interesting because there's so many, it's always going to exist. It really, really is. But yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely want to give that podcast a listen now. But I think as we kind of shift the conversation to a more positive and like engaging kind of view on just like horniness and especially like horniness as femme identifying folks. Um, I kind of want to hear like your perspective or just like different options folks have, especially like during the pandemic, like it is really hard to do anything casual and most people really shouldn't be casual, but I'm not, um, I'm not here to judge people's COVID behaviors, but I would just recommend following the rules but what are like the alternatives to um like appeasing your horniness especially as a woman yeah absolutely well I am actually pretty well depending on the partner that I have I'm pretty vanilla uh (laughs) but like I said depending on the partner that I have um but I mean during the pandemic I have noticed that just I have not wanted to have sex as much as I normally do uh, with previous partners. They've all, a lot of my previous partners have told me that I have a higher sex drive than they do. I usually want sex way more than my male partners. And uh, I think maybe even the case with my female partners since I'm, I'm bisexual, but yeah, during this pandemic, I haven't wanted to have sex as much. But I definitely have, I mean, the way I've always approached masturbation is that, and this has actually kind of, this frustrated a previous partner of mine, is that I kind of see it as a, kind of like I need to scratch an itch pretty much. Like I, you know, like I'm hungry, I should eat. I'm horny, I should masturbate. Like that's how I see it as. So I, you know, I will still... I've been doing that a lot more, but also, you know, I live with my partner and thankfully I have a partner who is very understanding of that as opposed to previous partners who feel that they need to be a part of it, uh, which is very frustrating. I think that we need to kind of just uh, break up with that idea that because someone, because your partner is horny or whoever you're sleeping with is horny, that you need to be involved. You don't always need to be involved. And so him and I kind of have a system where it's like, you know, I'll just tell him like, I'm going to go to the other room and do this. Or if the door is locked, like don't, uh, you know, it's because I am masturbating. And we try to be really respectful of each each other in that way. And I, yeah, I mean, I feel I've been in so many relationships that I feel like I haven't really had that before where people are just more chilled about that. I, I've lived with a partner before him, like years before. And I remember never even having time to masturbate or just like him always being around where like, 
yeah, where I just, I, I couldn't find the time or I can't really talk to him about it. And so when me and my current partner, when we moved in together, one of my concerns was like, oh, I'm probably not going to masturbate anymore, <laughs> you know, which is really important to me because I have actually been doing it since I was like six, which is pretty early for some people. Like I've, you know, and I mean, this sounds really depressing, but like, we're going to die alone (laughs) and so we always have ourselves (laughs) you know like we always like we always do like whenever we were single or sad or whatever or we needed we were horny and we needed to like find pleasure we gave ourselves that I guess we were like our first sexual partner is ourselves and so I like the fact that my current partner really respects that as opposed to other partners who feel that they need to be involved in some way or they think it's odd uh but yeah, I mean, that's really how I've been dealing with it during the pandemic. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're talking to like, I've been single my whole life. I like being single. So like, and I'm very like, even with like platonic friends, like I very much need some time to myself. So I can't imagine my masturbation time getting cut into by... <laughs> I have sex with men, unfortunately. So a man just telling me not to masturbate or like he needs to be there, which is just like, oh, I can't wait for someone to say that to me so I can just laugh in their face because it's that's a little bit ridiculous. But do you feel does your partner kind of practice the same as you do? Um, it, it does it like go mute? Like, is it? like on the mutual side, like you both kind of need your independence or is he, or are they more um, like partnered in that sense? They prefer to like, because you're there might as well do it together kind of thing. I think he's very, uh, he's very independent. I'm really lucky to have a partner who is totally okay with doing his own thing. Uh, Just because we live in the same apartment and thankfully it's a two bedroom apartment doesn't mean that we are always in the same room we're usually not in the same room, which I really appreciate. But yeah, I feel like he he really is the same is the same way as I am in terms of that. I think he he under, he understands he he gets it. You know, I've had partners who are just weirdly jealous or just ask a little too many questions about things like with self pleasure. And with him, he is fully understanding. Like he is understanding that I have. Uh, I've had past partners, like I had a life before him, you know, and I had ways to please myself before him. And I think he is very accepting of that. I, I really like what you just said, kind of about the past partners, because I feel like, and I think this is super relevant for masturbation and just like horniness in general, there's a different rhetoric when you're speaking to like femme folks about it. And even just like about relationships and sex in general, like one of my friends right now, she has a boyfriend who's a little bit younger than her. Um, and he like gets mad that she's had sex before. And I'm like, are you a virgin? Like what the hell is going on? But I feel like, especially with men too, like I will not like I date straight men. I will never go on a date and assume that a man is a virgin. If that makes sense. Or like wish even just like cross my fingers under the table and think like, oh, maybe I'm his only one. Like that is, that is not something that like, even is in the like vocabulary when you're speaking to men about like past relationships or past sexual encounters. But like, 
the fact that that's even something that's like, like you and I both have either experienced it or seen it firsthand that like, there's this weird, like totally different understanding and just like sense of vocabulary around like, like your partner asking you questions about masturbation. Like, I don't really know any, and like, this is like a blanket statement, but I've never had like a femme person ask me like, oh, my boyfriend masturbates. Is that like not good? Like they just like, but then like a woman is masturbating in like a cis relationship and the guy's like, am I not doing enough? Or like, I don't know. Also cis men think that their like penis holds the power and it like really does the least for vulva owners, like in general, like the penis is like never, it's like less than 25% have orgasms from penetrative sex. So like, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird like juxtaposition. And it's also like so falsified if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I think it's, um, I think it's very odd. Uh, it's, I have, yeah, I have never, I think actually, no, I think when I was a lot younger, I was like, oh, was I the first one? Was I not? But not in terms of sex. I think in terms of relationships, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think as I've gotten older, I've, you know, everyone has had a life and I need to, I, it's only normal for me to accept that. And I have been with um, men who didn't have any experience with relationships before. And I've been with men who are bisexual uh, and who have had relationships with both men and women. And it's, it's, it's life. It's very, I think it's just absolutely healthy and normal to just like accept the fact that, you know, they had a life before you and not question it too much. I mean, I understand if you want to talk to your partner about like, well, what have you tried? What do you like to try? Would you want to try this again? But I, I had a partner who was, I, God, was super jealous and did not want to hear, uh, did not want to, did not want me to acknowledge the fact that I had, you know, a couple boyfriends before him. And I was, I think I was 20 at the time. And so yeah, I mean, it was, I could not really acknowledge that. I couldn't really acknowledge anything in terms of, I mean, I actually even kind of cut off friends who are guys uh, because of him. And it was a very unhealthy relationship that I'm really glad that I'm out of and that I recognize was unhealthy. But also, I mean, I don't know if it has to do with age too, is that, I mean, I was, we were both in our early 20s. We were both 20 at the time. And I think we split up like, 22 or something. And so I think the older that I've gotten, I also have like kind of like ditched the idea of just like asking too many, like, I don't know, being jealous or being secure about someone's past relationships. Um, I mean, I like to think that once you get older, you kind of just start not caring about a lot of these things. And I think maybe when you're younger, you are more insecure about these things. And um, yeah, but I, you know, this is, this comes back to, I wish that, you know, older the older people in our lives would just talk to us about this about you know I I kind of wish I had parents who would talk to me about jealousy or not caring about these things or recognizing this or being more considerate of the other person's feelings because I think sex is just it's not just about the physical it's also about the emotions attached to it you know I mean the guys get penis envy like girls get super insecure about their body hair I mean I've 
had friends just be, like years into our friendship just ask me like well how much hair do I have down there you know and it's like we've been friends forever and they're just asking me about this because they they don't know they don't have that information and yeah it just goes back to I wish that we would more openly talk about this and I think if we did we wouldn't be so insecure and we wouldn't be uh kind of making our partners miserable in a way no absolutely I think too, like when we're talking about like comprehensive sex ed and like the parents that are involved, healthy relationships come into that a hundred percent, especially at a young age. And I think especially if you as a parent can't necessarily model that behavior, if you're in an unhealthy marriage or you're separated or you're a single parent, whatever that may be, um, if you can't model that behavior to your children, they're, it's going to be really hard for them to understand and like know what a healthy relationship looks like and what that looks like in the context of sex and sexuality. And I think too, it like goes hand in hand with like the complex that a lot of us have with virginity or just like, especially like women and virginity and like the Madonna whore complex that some men have where they can't like sexualize a woman and also respect her which is like really really like that's a different extreme that just like kind of collectively comes hand in hand with like the way we've been socialized to like not express like sexual desire and horniness and um like not accepted the fact that like masturbation is not only healthy but it's really enjoyable and like Obviously, we're not saying to like have these conversations like at the dinner table over Thanksgiving with like your uncle and your cousins who are like five years old, but to have that rhetoric with your friends and with your partners, I think is so fundamental to like a healthy conception. Oh my God, healthy cons- consensual sex life. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I, you know, I don't know if I'll have kids, but if I do, I think I'll just, you know, openly talk about it talk about sex and dating and these emotions a little bit more I recently interviewed a woman for this season of our podcast who told me that her parents were super open to her about sex and they would actually uh by the time she was like in high school they would keep like a jar with condoms in the in the bathroom you know and they were like we won't count it we won't count to see if you use any of them but they'll just be right there and I think that it's honestly like that. I think that was like the only one or one of like two or three experiences that sounded great from all the people that I've interviewed. Granted, I haven't interviewed like so many people, but I mean, I think that's saying a lot that just, it's just not normalized. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the parental apprehension is that like exposing kids to sex and sexuality are going to make them hypersexualized. And that's actually not the case. It's never been the case in any of the studies that we've done about like comprehensive sex ed. If anything, it helps your kids. It prevents them from being assaulted, um, for being vulnerable targets. Um, and it also prevents them from being in non-consensual interactions. Um, so I think that this is really great, a great conversation to have and to kind of reflect on like both of our experiences, kind of being very open about sexuality, but how there's still these like negative connotations surrounding just like a, a very normal bodily function like masturbation. Um, but I would love for you to plug your podcast. 
um, for those who are really interested in listening. Yeah, it's uh, it's how I fuck. If you're looking for it on Apple Podcasts, it's how I fuck without the asterisk because we have an asterisk. It's F asterisk CK. So it's how I fuck, how I FCK. Uh, so we're on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere that you get your podcasts. And you can follow us also on Instagram at How I Fuck Podcasts. And that's How I Fuck Without the Use. So How I Fuck H O W I F C K Podcast. And we're also on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. If you're interested in learning more about the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Ladies Let's Talk About Sex for your weekly updates and more information about the topics. If you want to listen to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast every week, make sure to subscribe on all your podcast channels. We release episodes every single Monday. Thanks for listening.